The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Hello, I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is stealing from mom and dad. Stealing from mom and dad is a form of elder abuse. Elder abuse often is in the news with stories that are frankly horrifying. Stealing from mom and dad is less talked about, perhaps because it's such an uncomfortable topic. And there's another factor. Time and time again on Family Caregivers Unite, we hear about the stress, the financial stress that family caregiving creates for families and family caregivers. So the thought that someone is stealing the family financial heritage from mom and dad is especially painful. Now, to talk about stealing from mom and dad, we have two guests, Leonie de Graff and Mark Wandersay. First of all, I'd like to summarize Leonie's extensive bio for you. Uh, Leonie grew up in the financial industry with her father, a top financial advisor, for more than 40 years. She began her financial career in the family firm 14 years ago and has since built a successful practice as an independent financial advisor in Burlington, Ontario. Her experience with family caregiving arises out of the time she spent with her grandparents as a child and the loss of her mom to breast cancer. She increasingly helps seniors and families with estate planning. She advises and assists retirees by providing them with the information, choices, and tools they need to make wise financial decisions. And she's the chairperson for the Burlington Seniors and Law Enforcement Together Council, which educates seniors on crime prevention. Mark Wondersee, Mark co-hosts Healing Journeys, a weekly internet radio show with Jaintra Green-Gardner on www.sqr.fm. In 2000, two of them founded the non-profit Healing Hands Network, to support healing coaches and to provide healing touch to people in need. Mark's a family caregiver, trained educator, public speaker, and healing coach. His involvement in caregiver issues and long-term care includes advocacy, direct care, family and resident council facilitation, legislative activities, stakeholder groups, staff in services, client coaching, 
and training industry professionals and state health department surveyors. He's a certified Eden Alternative Associate, and he's the past executive director and board member of the Minnesota-based Elder Care Rights Alliance, a nonprofit advocacy and rights organization. So welcome to the show, Leonie and Mark. And first of all, I'd like to start by inviting Leonie to address the, as they say, the very first question, which is, please would you tell us more uh, about your life and work as a financial advisor? Sure. Thanks very much, Dr. Atoli. It's uh, great to be here. Um, well, I'm a remarried mom of uh, three teenagers. And uh, as you said, uh, my dad's been in the financial services business for over 40 years now, and I started with his firm uh, about 15 years ago. And rather than focusing on the natural market of my peers, I found myself gravitating towards assisting seniors with their estate plans. As you mentioned, uh, growing up, I was very close to my grandparents. I have a lot of respect for their history, their struggles, and their strengths, and I really think we can learn a lot from their generation. So when I started working with seniors in their 70s and 80s, I found that often they've amassed a sizable estate and uh, they have legitimate concerns about how their estate will transition to their heirs. They weren't really getting any preferential treatment at the banks, especially considering the size of their portfolios, and they weren't being given the financial strategies they needed. So I decided to specialize in retirement and estate planning and earned my elder planning counselor designation. And this allows me to take a holistic approach to financial planning for seniors and base decisions and strategies on their entire life circumstances rather than just the numbers. And also, as you mentioned, um, I now chair a, a group called SALT, which stands for Seniors in Law Enforcement Together, where we go out into the community with, uh, with the regional police to educate groups of seniors on crime prevention aimed at seniors. But really, I think working with seniors over the past seven years, um, it's been very rewarding, and I think overall they've probably taught me more than I've taught them. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, um, I'm going to ask you another question, uh, and then um, I'll hand over to Mark. But the question I have for you, Leonie, is this, mm -hmm. stealing from mom and dad. I want to know what it refers to, because it's a title I borrowed from a recent article which describes your work. So what does stealing from mom and dad actually refer to? Well, doctor, um, stealing from mom and dad refers to adult children abusing their position as power of attorney over their parent to gain financial control for their own personal gain. It seems unthinkable to most of us. Um, but unfortunately, there are people out there who see an opportunity to financially gain from their parents' weakening health and mental ability, and they take advantage of the situation. Some of them feel they are entitled because of how they were treated or not treated during their lifetime, or the assistance they're providing for their parent justifies payment of some sort, uh, or they assume the money will eventually be theirs anyways. So some also can use it as a way of controlling or retaliating against other siblings. And, you know, there's situations where adult children can also have problems with uh, addiction, such as alcohol or gambling. 
And sometimes the temptation of large amounts of money sitting in the bank is just too easy to access. And they might think, Mom and Dad, eh, they won't notice a few thousand missing here or there. We're going to be talking much more about that. But now let me go to Mark. Please tell us more about your life and work, especially as co-host of the talk show Healing Journeys. Mark? Certainly, I'd love to do that, Dr. Atherley. As you had mentioned, um, I co-host a radio show called Healing Journeys with Gentle Green Gardener, and we've been doing that show now for, well, coming up on two years. And during that time, I, I'm a three-heart balancing instructor and also practitioner or healing coach, if you will, which is a technique. Three-heart balancing is a complementary medicine modality that Gentra Green Gardener had founded. And within that modality, we do the open source method of discovering new ways to heal people and do energy work. And so our show really focuses on miracles that people have experienced, talking to individuals that have experienced miracles, have written books, composed music, or have a personal journey that they would like to share with us. And we've discovered that healing definitely can happen, like I always say, in the twinkle of an eye or in the wink of an eye. And from that we've gained a lot of knowledge and have the opportunity for people to listen to our shows because they all are archived as well. I think you had mentioned it was www.sqr.fm. But my advocacy specifically to the topic today of stealing from mom and dad started with an elder of mine that was diagnosed with Alzheimer's whom I ended up caring for for over eight years. And that's how I actively got involved as an advocate, um, not only delivering care to her personally, but overseeing and managing the care that was being delivered by others and then got involved legislatively because of all of the inequities that I observed as it related to abuse and neglect and financial exploitation. And that led to my involvement in the nonprofit work that I had done and was previously the executive director. Successfully, we did have some improvement in legislation on the Vulnerable Adult Act that Minnesota has in addition to there's federal regulation and federal law as well in the states, and many states vary, and there's varying degrees of that. And now I'm helping another family member, my grandmother of 97 years of age, and also assisting a sibling who has been diagnosed with epilepsy and helping her navigate our medical system. Now, we've only a very short time, but I because we're going to have to go into the break, but in this work you do, what do you actually hear about the problem of stealing from mom and dad from the people that you, you speak to or who speak to you? Um, it's very widespread, and I think um, Leone had explained it very well, is it's the accessibility of funds, and specifically from a financial exploitation standpoint, oftentimes the individual that's most available is probably the one that should be least likely to take care of the individual because maybe they're unemployed, maybe they have addiction problems. There are individuals out there that have a warm heart and want to do right by the individual, but it's that immediate accessibility to funds versus doing some pre-planning and having what I would consider like a committee involved to prevent the financial exploitation or the temptation to reallocate funds as an individual sees fit versus following the wishes of the individual whose money it actually is. And in my advocacy work, we would see it quite frequently. 
Um, and financial exploitation, some of the beginning pieces of that is actually abuse and neglect of an individual because the whole purpose of the perpetrator is gaining control over that individual. Oftentimes they can do that through financial means. Right. Now, we're going to talk more about that in subsequent segments, but it's come to the moment where we do have to take a short break. Uh, we, we have to pay our rent. <laughs> so this is Dr. Gordon Averley, and my guests are Leonie de Graff and Mark Wandersee. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc letter G at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our Family Caregivers Unite listeners. And Leonid de Graff and Mark Wanderson. Our topic is stealing from mom and dad. So now let's talk about financial services and the way these attempt to combat stealing from mom and dad. Starting off with you, Leonie, please. What are the signals that warn financial services professionals that they may be stealing from mom and dad in a particular situation? Well, Dr. Atherley, um, there are several signals or red flags, as I call them, that uh, financial professionals can look out for. The main one being the senior's best interests are not being taken into consideration. 
Um, a power of attorney is a fiduciary and must put the interests of the senior before his own. So there may be some questionable transactions or some covert behavior that uh, makes one raise an eyebrow. For example, uh, I know a very competent 83-year-old uh, whose husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's several years ago. The daughter used to take both parents out to do errands, including the banking. But after a few years, the daughter said the mother is not allowed to go out with them anymore and she should stay home, quote, where she belongs. So about a year ago, the daughter had the father sign over power of attorney to the daughter at the bank. And the daughter's been in control of the parents' finances ever since. So the 83-year-old, she, she's been too intimidated to bring this, uh, this issue up with her daughter. So I encourage the senior to speak with the senior crimes investigator, and she's now working with them to regain control over her own household finances. So a couple other red flags in that example are, you know, the change in the daughter's behavior that she used to take both parents to do the banking and then suddenly, uh, you know, she kind of bullied mom to, to stay home. And uh, another red flag there is uh, is isolating the incompetent senior. So again, mom and dad used to do the banking together. Now the daughter is keeping the, the dad isolated in, in making these decisions. Right. So some of the other red flags would include uh, the power of attorney redirecting bank or investment statements to their own address uh, against the wishes of the senior or estranged family members suddenly taking an interest in the senior or mom or dad is being pressured to name someone as the, the power of attorney. So I would recommend to really to follow your instincts. And if the activity or the transaction just doesn't seem to have the senior's best interest at heart, I would recommend you start asking questions. Mark, let me go to you now. How serious is the situation that we're talking about, feeling for mom and dad in the U.S.? And what are the signals that it's occurring? It's actually, it's sad to say it's growing by leaps and bounds. In the time that I was working specifically and very closely with it and monitoring it by the aid that we are assisting to people in the community, we saw a 10% increase in growth in the number of reported abuse cases. And of that piece of the pie, if you looked at like abuse and neglect, uh, financial exploitation, sexual assault, etc., the piece of the pie that was financial exploitation was the one that was growing exponentially. And I contribute some of that or attribute some of that to the higher unemployment, the economy going south, the earlier onset of diagnoses for Alzheimer's. And Leone said it very well with the red flags is oftentimes financial exploitation of a vulnerable adult or an elder happens very quickly without them knowing in some cases. Sometimes it's trickery and intimidation. Other times when the elder is confused or unable to give the informed consent. And so the signs would be the person feels embarrassed. They're too ashamed to show their face or to come into the bank or they act very sheepish around certain individuals when they're talking about different financial transactions. And those are all key indicators. Maybe they're not being as well-kept as they used to. Like maybe they used to get their hair done weekly and now they're not having their hair done. That would indicate that maybe the financial resources aren't available to them 
or somehow somebody's manipulating and restricting those. In the example that was given with the daughter, the daughter preventing the mother from going into the bank and attending to those financial transactions. And I think for your listeners, it would be helpful to have kind of a basic definition of what is financial exploitation, and that would be the illegal or improper use of uh, incapacitated or vulnerable adult or his or her resources for another's profit or advantage. Right. And it can start out very small, and then it escalates to titles of homes, to all sorts of financial instruments when they were given a power of attorney. Yeah. Leonie, using Mark's definition in a broad way, how big of a problem in Canada is this, and what does the future hold as you see it? Well, using Mark's uh, definition, you know, we have to think, I mean, the majority of power of attorneys in Canada do act responsibly. But with the growing demographics, there are more and more seniors at risk every single day in Canada. And as uh, as Mark pointed out, you know, it is growing in leaps and bounds. Um, it's difficult to know exactly how much of this goes on because um, a lot of it happens behind closed doors. And as Mark mentioned, uh, seniors are either intimidated or ashamed to admit it or report it, or they're simply unaware that it's happening. And nobody wants to think that their own children would steal from them or abuse them, but it does happen, and I think more checks and balances need to be in place to prevent this from getting out of control. I find that police forces across the country are awakening to the needs of elders, uh, some faster than others, and they're adding seniors, crimes investigators, and elder services officers to their force just to offer a more sensitive uh, approach and assistance for, for elders. But theft by power of attorney is a relatively new charge here in Canada that the police, they're still learning how to use it most effectively. Um, but it can be difficult to get the facts from an elder whose memory is failing and perhaps there's uh, feuding siblings that uh, see the situation differently. Mark, um, let me ask you this. Does stealing from mom and dad, is that something that also originates outside the family? And if so, how does it happen? Oh, absolutely. It can happen outside of the family. It can happen because of maybe a close relationship that the perpetrator develops with the elder or the vulnerable adult. It can be a trusted other. And Leone is correct. I mean, there's so many people out there with a good heart that want to do the right thing by the right legal documents and instruments, such as a power of attorney, but there's individuals out there that sour it by taking advantage of that. And oftentimes, the perpetrator, I believe the statistic is something like 70 to 80% of the time, the perpetrator is known by the victim, mm -hmm. even when it comes to financial exploitation, which would make sense. Oftentimes, that elder wants to protect the abuser, particularly if the abuser is their child or maybe their grandchild. So it can happen. And when we say outside of the family, maybe it's not the husband or the wife, but it's the children or the in-laws. I think of a situation that we had where it was the in-law to a mother that actually soured things by getting her to sign over the house and then the individual had the title further signed over to that individual and completely got it out of the chain of inheritance. 
So there's all sorts of crazy stories out there, but it does happen and it can happen very quickly because the perpetrator always gains the trust of the individual in the perpetrator leading the elder to believe that they're acting in their best interest. So would it be right then to say that what we're actually talking about is the extended family, which includes maybe friends, maybe others, who the family or the person know and trust. Is that the right way of looking at it from your perspective, Mark? And also, what do you think, Leone? Mark, first. Sure. Um, I would agree with that. I think of an example that we worked with an individual. He was an elder. He had no family. His friends in his circle were his neighbors that lived across the street. And the woman across the street gained his trust, and he trusted her to act in his best interest. And the next thing you know, she was taking money out of his accounts because he had made her a signer. And exactly what we said earlier, she had a gambling addiction. And so when the police went in on a search warrant, they found um, purple, I believe they're called W-2 gambling or W-2Gs or something, of receipts of where she had won monies from the casino but had used his monies for her gambling addiction. But she had gained the trust of him, and he knew no one else. And so he didn't know where to call for help. And as a result, the victimization continued for some time to the point where he ended up going into a nursing home because his daily cares weren't attended to, and she created the isolation that we spoke of earlier. Right. Lenny, what, what, what's your perspective on this sort of extension from family to the broader extended family? What do you think? Well, it's definitely possible, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stories out there about whether it's family members or extended family or, you know, as Mark mentioned, uh, neighbors. It certainly happens here in Canada. Um, you know, it can be, again, it, and it's all about gaining that, that person's trust. And, uh, uh, you know, there was an example here in Canada of, of a woman who, um, who befriended a, an elder when he was tending to his wife on her deathbed. And once he was alone and the wife passed, she began to uh, infiltrate herself into his life and uh, became his power of attorney. And uh, when the family started to raise an eyebrow, she married uh, this, the elder and... And uh, so, uh, you know, seniors are really vulnerable from all avenues, whether they have family members or, or whether they're all alone. They're definitely vulnerable. So my, my comment back to you both is that this is very definitely a form of elder abuse, isn't it? That's the kind of thing that we're looking at, talking about, and dealing with. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, it is. Yep. Now, we're going to be moving on to the break uh, now, uh, but when we come back, we're going to explore um, how the systems for protection may have limitations themselves and how we work around those limitations. But anyway, let's pay the rent. Let's now take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Leonie de Graff and Mark Wondersee. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Each week, take a visit inside the locker room of your favorite sport with Dez Clark, Paul Fresh Clark, and Lester Scudder Davis as they bring you sportsmanlike conduct. As a current player, Dez Clark can bring you inside the sports world like nobody can. His co-hosts represent the fans of the sports world. With both points of view on the table, it becomes an engaging and entertaining program, to say the least. Sportsmanlike conduct can be heard Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday. Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m-y-m-o-n-a-m-i dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Leonie DeGraff and Mark Wondersee, you are listening to our topic, Stealing from Mom and Dad. Let's now talk about the limitations of financial, legal, and other systems in combating stealing from mom and dad. So, Mark, what do you think are the greatest challenges in protecting seniors from the problem of stealing from mom and dad? Mark? I would have to say it's the right of choice. And what I mean by the right of choice is allowing an individual, whether they're a vulnerable adult, which... Elders, if they have a chronic condition and such, would be considered a vulnerable adult. But those that are unable to make decisions for themselves is giving them autonomy and having that right of choice. And at what point do you make the transition of having someone else stepping in to assist with those choices? So for me, the challenge is appropriate intervention and when does that intervention happen? And in my ideal world, it would be having financial counseling along the way and proper training of bank individuals and everybody involved so that the conversation isn't talked about behind closed doors, so that it's kind of an open book conversation of preparation for that next phase of life, A, and B, making sure that that individual's rights are honored because I had an 
85-year-olds say to me one day when we were talking about legislation and changing how reporting happened for vulnerable adults in Minnesota specifically, and she said, well, isn't it my right to give $1,000 to whomever I want, whenever I want, and how I want? And I said, absolutely. And I said, that is the key challenge, is making sure that your wishes are granted, but at the same time, a perpetrator's wishes are not granted. Very clear and very tough. Leonie, take a typical working family in faced with something that they're not too sure about. To which professionals should they turn for help when they think that there's something going on or they wonder whether there's something going on in the nature of stealing from mom and dad? Leonie? Well, if a family member suspects stealing from mom and dad may be happening, I, I would suggest uh, the first person they contact is the financial advisor. Often this professional is closest to mom and dad's money and um, can identify questionable transactions or activity. We, as financial advisors, we may not be able to provide detailed information at first, but if it is in the best interest of our client, we can acknowledge if the transactions warrant uh, further questioning or investigation by the proper legal authorities. The next professional I would contact um, if you suspect power of attorney abuse is maybe the senior's trusted family lawyer uh, to determine if the power of attorney is acting according to mom and dad's wishes as stated in their, their power of attorney document or their will. Uh, if it's found that there are reasonable grounds for an investigation in Canada, the Office of the Public Guardian and Trustee should be notified and they will begin an investigation and apply to the court to appoint themselves as the temporary guardian of mom and dad's property. So reasonable grounds um, is established if the person who is incapable of managing their property may be at risk of losing a significant portion of their property or is not being provided the necessities of life. As Mark uh, mentioned earlier, you know, maybe their level of care is, has gone down. Um, if theft is suspected, then I would encourage family members to contact their local police department and, uh, and definitely report the suspected theft by power of attorney. Mark, in the U.S., how well are seniors guarded from stealing from mom and dad? And what needs to be done to improve the protection? I, I think there's a lot in place to guard seniors, but seniors typically, or elders typically don't see themselves as vulnerable, and so things can go on sometimes longer than they would ordinarily. But in the U.S., we have Adult Protective Services, and that's true in all of the 50 states, and it's generally designated by county or by region for reporting purposes. So if there is suspected financial exploitation, individuals can call in and report it, and an investigation can happen, similar to what Leone was talking about. And so the, the guards are in place, and the ramifications legally are in place, but it's really getting the voice of the senior heard so that if something is happening, it's caught soon enough. And I think that's probably the hardest is the amount of time that lapses from suspicion to accusation to validating to actually trying the individual or preventing the individual from doing any more damage, meaning the perpetrator. Uh, 
So some of the things I think that need to be done to improve the protection is really that awareness thing of training financial individuals, designating individuals that you want involved, so having that conversation with the family, and maybe developing a protocol for reporting within financial institutions. Financial institutions often are the ones that are most resistant because of privacy for the individual's financial information. So as Leone said, if you have a trusted financial advisor and they're made aware, they can begin to monitor, but then they need the schooling to understand what they are monitoring. And then educating, educating consumers. Anytime we have an opportunity to educate like we are today, and then training people how to watch out for one another as well and asking those hard questions. If they feel safe, if they feel threatened, oftentimes the perpetrator is going to use money as a manipulative tool to preventing or allowing somebody to partake in other activities as well. I'm going to ask Leonie the same question. What about Canada? How well are seniors, elders guarded? protected from stealing from mom and dad, and what needs to be done to improve this situation in, in Canada? Well, I think there are a lot of similarities to um, to you know some of the ideas that uh, that Mark had in the U.S. And I think that more public awareness of the issue of power of attorney abuse and theft uh, needs to be made. So again, shows like this are fantastic. More and more articles are coming out. Um, I think that we need to give more support and guidance for seniors um, to help them report the issue um, because often they're either too ashamed or, or too intimidated to report it. Um, I think we need more accountability from the powers of attorneys, uh, perhaps an obligation to report their transactions on a regular basis because currently there's not a lot of regulation in place for a layperson acting as a power of attorney. However, there is plenty of regulation already in place for financial advisors, lawyers, and accountants in terms of record-keeping and acting as a fiduciary for their clients. So as the McLean article suggests, uh, perhaps naming your financial advisor, lawyer, or accountant as your POA, uh, power of attorney, or, or a joint power of attorney may be a safer route to take, as Mark had mentioned earlier, um, having a committee involved um, it may be a safer route because uh, the regulations are already in place for these professionals. So seniors can also uh, state in their power of attorney documents that the financial advisor, lawyer, and or accountant must remain the same if the senior becomes incapacitated to ensure you know, a level of continuity and that their long-term wishes are being followed. That idea of the committee... Uh, is very appealing. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you both, starting with Mark, is the problem there going to be cost, to some families at least, uh, that setting up a committee of experts, and I'm not being unkind when I say this, can be an expensive proposition? In other words, what are the limitations, just quickly, that you see of the committee, the committee solution, and what do you see being done about it? I, I definitely think it is cost, but I think there are ways that one can achieve that same type of benefit, whether it's creating a trust, um, working with your um, financial representatives to create co-trustees, so maybe a bank is involved as one of those trustees to manage the money, and then making that determination on a power of attorney 
whether it's durable or non-durable. You know, does it continue after incapacitation or does it terminate at incapacitation? And in the States, we have guardianships and conservatorships. And so by getting people to have the conversations, very much the same as to the knowledge that people know about powers of attorney today versus what they knew about them 25 years ago is creating that same type of synergistic education to understand the differences between a guardian and a conservator and planning ahead to say, well, if I become incapacitated, this is who I want to be my conservator so that they have my non-biased best interest at heart in getting people to the table to have that conversation. Then it's the same question. That is, what about the cost of committees and are there in Canada these workarounds of a kind that Mark's been talking about? I, I think that there are workarounds. I think that, um, you know, naming perhaps the financial advisor as the, the joint power of attorney with one of the adult children, uh, you know, the costs associated with that would be very minimal, if any. Um, but I think that it gives that, that lay family member, um, you know, more checks and balances, more um, thinking that, uh, that someone else is watching them, that, that they've got to watch what they're doing. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize in Canada is uh, the power of attorney document that's being signed today for property, it's not, it doesn't come into effect only upon incapacity. It actually comes in effect as soon as it's properly signed and witnessed. Mm -hmm. So that's a danger. Um, You know, I, I recommend that people actually add that line into their power of attorney document that it's only to become effective if they are deemed incapable of managing their own affairs by perhaps their own family doctor would be the best uh, would be the best suggestion. Mark, do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of good advice in that, and that is uh, a power of attorney can be good if somebody goes out of town, but then you need to terminate it. The tracking of what is the valid power of attorney that exists versus doesn't exist is probably one of the biggest challenges because there isn't a registry of guardianships or a registry of power of attorneys. So one child could have one power of attorney and another child could have another power of attorney. And so those challenges, that's where it's important for that senior, when they're capable, is having the family conversation of, this is what I want my wishes to be, this is why I'm getting my financial advisor involved or my banker or my, you know, my trustee or of the trust department or Mark, depending I'm, on sorry, I'm going to have to break in there because we've got the break coming up, but I'll give you a chance to finish off in a moment. Sure. So we'll take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Leonie DeGraff and Mark Wondersee. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at my. M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Leonie DeGraff and Mark Wondersee. Our topic is stealing from mom and dad. Now, let's talk about how well stealing from mom and dad is understood as a problem for seniors and what needs to be done to enhance the understanding. Starting with you, Mark. What about healthcare professionals, social services, charitable and religious organizations? How well do they understand the family challenges created by stealing from mom and dad and what needs to be done to increase their understanding? Well, I do think that there is a lot of education and awareness that's being created just because we're seeing it more frequently in the news because of landmark cases or landmark situations where, you know, entire farms are signed over and so the more publicity that happens, the greater the understanding or the awareness that is created. Because I do think healthcare professionals are aware because they're trained, whether it be in a vulnerable adult act or how to do abuse and neglect prevention. The, the problem is, is how do we take it from awareness to action? And I think that's maybe requiring training. So as those professionals earn their degrees or their certificates, of achievement or maybe it's through continuing education where it's specific topic, specific number of hours so that everybody has a baseline of information to increase that understanding because where the challenges come in is oftentimes that perpetrator is also the individual that's providing care for somebody and maybe keeping them out of social services or off of the welfare system. And so then it becomes a delicate balancing act of how do you navigate that because of fear that that victim or that elder or senior is going to lose that caregiver as well. And so I think awareness and then doing required training or continuing education for those professionals, which would be no different than financial professionals. Right. 
Leonie, let's ask you about the financial professionals, bank, bankers, lawyers. Same question. Um, how well do they understand the problem, and does what needs to be done, if anything, to increase their understanding? Well, because financial advisors and lawyers often discuss uh, intimate financial and, and family details with their clients, I believe the family challenges created by power of attorney abuse are well understood uh, by these professionals. However, the banks, you know, they're large volume transactional based institutions and therefore I believe it's less understood among the banks and their employees because they're just not as close uh, to the intimate details about their customers. Sometimes I find the banks can even encourage abuse uh, by suggesting the senior place their adult child on the bank account as a joint owner or in Canada, they, they request uh, the senior to sign a new power of attorney document in the branch in order to add the child to the account, which negates the power of attorney the client just set up with his lawyer last month. So there needs to be some, some more education and uh, awareness around that. I think uh, we need to focus uh, our education into the banking sector and uh, encourage them to encourage their employees to watch out for these questionable activity or transactions. Um, and as Mark suggested, not just recognizing them, but taking action. And I think that we've got to lean more towards um, here in Canada, protecting you know vulnerable adults in the way that we've gone ahead and protected uh, children as far as teachers and doctors and and certain professionals having a um, a mandate to report any suspicion of child abuse i think that uh, we need to be given that that right here in canada um, that as professionals you know we don't have to worry about any kind of liability or anything like that if we if we do want to take action and and report the abuse Mark, I'm asking you now for a message that you would like to pass to the justice and social support system about the importance of the problem of stealing from mum and dad. What's the message? I think the message for me would to continue to understand and to support the victim and that it's not their fault and by understanding what the signs are. So continually reminding yourself of what the signs are and taking the role of mandated reporter seriously and consciously on a day-to-day -day basis. In Minnesota, we have mandated reporters, and I can't speak for all 50 states off of the top of my head, but that's something that's very important when we looked at our vulnerable adult law in Minnesota was that mandated reporters had protection as well if they suspected that there was financial exploitation. So my message is, is use the tools that exist and then be serious about it and ensure that there's proper funding for proper follow-through. Right. Leonie, same question, but this in relation to the healthcare system. Um, what message would you like to give to doctors, nurses, and people like that? who are caring for seniors. What's the message? The message I would like to pass along to, to the healthcare system and uh, providers is they have to respect the incredible power they have in, in deeming a person incompetent. Um, as Mark mentioned, it's a fine line that we're walking in respecting the wishes of the elder and, uh, and also respecting their autonomy. So, you know, in the situation that I had with my... Uh, in the article from, from McLean's magazine, um, 
the competency of the senior was just taken away in the blink of an eye. So I have a message that I'd like to pass on to financial and legal professionals as well is to watch out for those red flags and to be proactive in responding to them. If abusive POAs or power of attorneys know that we are watching their transactions, they may be less likely to steal from mom and dad. And finally, my message to seniors is to put some safeguards in place when it comes to your power of attorney document, like stating your power of attorney can't change your financial advisor, lawyer, or accountant, or to name one of these professionals as your joint power of attorney. I'd also recommend to, to state in your power of attorney document, uh, here in Canada anyways, or in Ontario, that your incapacity is to be determined by your own family doctor or your own lawyer, since they know you best and they, they understand your personality and if there's been changes. Now, I'm going to ask you just quickly to both the same question, starting with Mark. Um, in healthcare, more and more, there are things called guidelines, and more and more of them are aimed at families on how to look after a family member with a particular condition. Would you see a, a role for guidelines relating to stealing from mom and dad and all the things that a family should be aware about? Would you see that as something as useful? would be useful yes I do see that as something that would be useful because anytime that you can put a tool in the hand of the consumer or in the hand of the professional that gives guidelines in certain specific points is you know that a conversation happened on some level that got professionals together got consumers together and said okay what is the message that we need to share with people because People are vulnerable at all stages of the healthcare system, whether it's something very simple to something very complex. And to have the guidelines and the understanding, I think that is an entry point into gaining additional information and educating the public. Right. Leonie, what's your answer to that question about sort of guidelines for families? I think providing some family members with uh, with some guidelines on you know what their role and responsibility is as the power of attorney, what is acceptable and not acceptable behavior, I think is an excellent idea. I think it's a great start. Uh, again, you know, the more awareness that we can raise about this issue, uh, the more it's going to help all of us. Right. I would agree. So, okay. So that's something that a kind of piece of action for us. Um, as professionals who are interested in being helpful and protective in relation to what is a terrible ethical issue. Um, and we can't say any more about it than that because I think that positions it. Now, I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. Please email us with your comments and questions. I want to say a special thank you to Leonie and Mark. You know, you've shared with us your experience, your insights, and your advice, but you've also oriented a discussion. Um, you've taken it to the extended family. You've emphasized trust. You've talked about things like committees uh, of an informal nature, maybe, but people looking out for the issues. And so all I can say to you both is every success to you, both of you, in all the work you're doing that has any relationship with the kind of things we've been talking about. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about memory and memories. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.